I think that age around college, type 1 diabetics are particularly vulnerable. I've been through that because you do, you want to be normal and I want to be out there and kind of advocate them for them, but also be a voice to say, you know, take care of yourself. The consequences are real. When I was 18, I thought, okay, yeah, you could lose your sight to diabetes. You see that in the commercials, but that'll happen when I'm like 65 or something. I never thought I'd lose my sight at 28. That was Dorlin Catron speaking about her desire to become an advocate for type 1 diabetics after losing her vision four years ago because of the disease. Hear more about Dorlin learning to navigate life without sight, how she takes care of her diabetes today, and her many other physical activities, including dragon boating. This is episode 6 of the Out of Sight Dragons podcast. Dragons podcast. This is episode six with Dorlin Catron. I think you're one of the newest members of the Out of Sight Dragons. Yeah, I am. I actually joined halfway through the season. How did you become involved with the team? I kind of heard about it from a lot of different places and then ended up going to their fundraiser at El Golfo and hanging out with the team and doing some karaoke and got recruited. What motivated you to join the team? I was excited to get active again. I felt like there were so few activities I could do blind and without a gym membership. So this was exciting and kind of to be part of a community. Prior to dragon boating, did you have any involvement in athletics? A little bit. I actually rode on the GW crew team my freshman year. So I had a little bit of on-the-water experience, although as some of the other folks have talked about, crew and dragon boating is pretty different. When you were a freshman at GW, was that as a sighted person or did you have vision challenges at that time? I was fully sighted at that point. I actually didn't lose my sight until I was 28. How long ago was that? That was almost four years now. Can you talk about why it was that your vision challenges started? I'm a type 1 diabetic and have been since I was 12 years old. I took pretty good care of my diabetes up until the end of high school. I had a really good support system with my friends and family. And then when I got to college, I let that go. I wanted to be normal and did not take care of my blood sugars, didn't do my insulin as regularly as I should have. And I ended up doing a lot of damage in my early 20s that then led to diabetic retinopathy um, that has now led me to be legally blind. What was the process of you losing your vision? Did it come on gradually or did it happen too suddenly for any behaviors of yours to be able to change what was happening? Oh, yeah, certainly. The damage was done. I went and saw my eye doctor, an ophthalmologist. I did that yearly, which is what's recommended for a diabetic. And it was this summer of 2013. And they told me, oh, we see signs of diabetic retinopathy. You need to go see a retinologist. And went and saw one. And that day they kind of (laughs) freaked out. Like, oh, my gosh, this is bad. Wanted to start doing scattered laser treatments immediately. So I did a few of those, which is to try to stop the damage from progressing. Although each time I had a surgery, it stepped down a bit and then went into other treatments like um, eye injections of this drug, Avastin. 
um, to try and slow the progress, and that didn't help. And then eventually surgeries where you know I was under, and they were essentially trying to put my retina back where it needed to be. And then by the end of all that, I was legally blind, and there was just nothing that could be done. So the surgery started at the very end of October 2013, and by February of 2014, I was legally blind. I'd gone from driving, working a job, and everything up until that October point, and then by the end of November, I could no longer drive, and then February, I was legally blind. So it wasn't overnight, but it was a fairly quick progression. It's a tremendous amount of change, obviously, in a very short period of time. If you could just go into a little bit about how your life changed after that point. It really changed in just about every way. You know, everything you do one way sided, you could do it blind, but you do it a different way. It was just a lot of little, starting with like putting toothpaste on a toothbrush. Well, I struggled to figure out how to do that at first. Something so simple as that and like measuring out flour in a measuring cup. And now I'm figuring out how to do everything. So it's just like you build up your skills. It's almost like being a toddler. Okay, I'm starting out with a set number of senses, this time four, and I'm relearning the world and I'm going to have some bumps and bruises along the way, but you learn and you adjust. Has your social circle changed since you lost your vision? Yes, some. So there's definitely, you know, my family and then some of my friends are tried and true, been there since before. It also kind of weeded out some, you know, that I found were more acquaintances than anything. But then it's also expanded to this other community, this disability community and the, the blind and visually impaired community. And that's been a lot of fun. You mentioned that you were working before you lost your vision. What type of work were you doing? I was a beer sales rep here in D.C. I worked for a craft beer wholesaler, and I basically drove around all day, talked to restaurants and liquor stores, and sold them beer. It was a lot of fun. But it did require driving, which uh, is not something that we found a way to bridge that gap yet. What are you doing now? I'm still going through vocational rehab. So I still have an orientation mobility specialist where I do cane training. I still do some JAWS classes. I'm learning Braille. And then I'm trying to uh, go back to grad school. So I'm studying for the GRE right now. What do you want to study in grad school? Public health. I want to go and be able to help people with my experiences. I feel like I've kind of been through a lot of the different aspects of the healthcare system in this country, and now I'm ready to go and, I don't know, maybe change some of it (laughs) or help out anyway, but get involved with the public health. Are you also interested in becoming an advocate for people with diabetes? Oh, yeah, definitely. Type 1 diabetes is especially close to me, obviously. That's what I've gone through. But I think that type 1s generally are diagnosed earlier in life, you know, around puberty. Although it is increasing the spectrum of when people are being diagnosed with type 1. But I think that age around college, type 1 diabetics are particularly vulnerable. I've been through that because you do, you want to be normal and I want to be out there and kind of advocate for them, but also be a voice to say, you know, take care of yourself. The consequences are real. When I was 18, I thought, okay, yeah, you could lose your sight to diabetes. You see that in the commercials. But that'll happen when I'm like 65 or something. I never thought I'd lose my sight at 28. How are you handling your type 1 diabetes today? A lot better than I was in my 20s. I'm much more conscious of what I'm eating. You know, I'm very aware of how severe the consequences are of not keeping your blood sugar in check, trying to keep my A1C low. 
My goal is to keep it below seven, and I've been doing pretty well at that. Sometimes a point or two above. As a non-diabetic, yours is probably around five, to give you kind of an idea. Mine was probably between eight and 11 when I was doing the damage that I did. So I'm doing well with that. I've got a talking meter, so I'll poke my finger and it talks to me and tells me what my blood sugar is. I use an insulin pump. I have the sequence memorized because it's not very audio friendly. It's going pretty well. You mentioned that you had done crew at GW as a freshman. Yeah. So you'd been on the water, but what was it like the first time you went to a dragon boat practice with the out-of-state dragons and got into the boat? Getting in the boat, that was a lot of fun. I felt like, okay, this is going to be fun. And then you get on and I realized just how different it was and how hard it was, you know. It's a completely different set of muscles, I feel like, than I use any other time. And having to keep the form up and, you know, a race is three minutes or so. It's, okay, you know, I can do anything for three minutes. Can't I? <laughs> and then you start going and it, it takes a lot of endurance. I'm still one of the weaker paddlers out there. Hope to increase my strength, maybe get a bar to hang from to put in the apartment. How do you manage your diabetes at dragon boat practices and races? Before I go down to the practice, I'll check my blood sugar and make sure I'm within a certain range. Like, I want to make sure that I'm not above about 240, 250, because you can actually do damage to your body exercising when your blood sugar is that high. Um, and then I also make sure I'm not too low. Once I get to practice, I'll check my blood sugar again. And if I'm below about 120 or so, I'll have a snack before I get on the water. And then I always, I take glucose tabs out under the water with me to make sure if I dropped out there, I could take care of it. And then when I get back up, I'll have a snack and head home and things are good. For races, it's a much longer day. So I have to make sure that I'm really well prepared with the type of foods that I'm eating and snacks that I've brought. Test my blood sugar often throughout the day. And then actually at this last race, which was my first race here in DC, the Capital Dragon Boat Festival, my insulin pump site got soaked with water. You get a little wet in that boat, you know? And it ended up being on the side that I was sitting on next to the gunnel. And so we'd gotten soaked and we'd gotten out of the water, dried off a bit and had some snacks and everything. Then gotten on for the second heat and it got wet again. And I think that kind of messed up the adhesive. So when I got out of the water after the second heat or out of the boat, my infusion site came off. So I was no longer receiving insulin. I can go about an hour without it on, but then it starts being a problem. So luckily I was here in DC and knew I could go home to get new stuff, tried to check with the medic tent, see if they could do something for me. Unfortunately, they couldn't. So I ended up missing the third heat, but it was a really good introduction to races. So I know what to prepare for next time, especially when we're out of town, you know, making sure that I have the replacement equipment with me and everything like that. What kind of food are you bringing with you to eat during the day? I tried to bring high fat and protein things like nuts and hard boiled eggs. I had those in the morning and then brought some fruit too. Make sure I had the carbs to keep going. I understand that you will be getting a guide dog soon. Yes, I will. I'm actually at the end of this month, I'm flying out to San Francisco to go to uh, guide dogs for the blind to train for two weeks and I'll fly home with a guide dog. What went into your decision to get a guide dog? Well, I grew up with dogs. I really do love dogs. And I think that it's going to be just a great opportunity for me to get around more quickly. They clock you at how fast you walk for the, one of their home interviews for the guide dogs. 
And I, I can't remember exactly how fast I walk with my cane, but then they clocked me doing sighted or um, a Juno walk, which is where the guy will lead you around with the harness and you give them instructions like you would the guide dog. And they clocked me with that and I go almost a mile per hour faster. So like, I think it's really going to help me get around and give me confidence in the world. Modern life is full of visual communication methods like email and text messages. Can you talk about how you communicate with people using email and text? What are some of the challenges of doing that for you? So at this point, I use voiceover. I have an iPhone, and I'll use that to text. Sometimes I'll use the Siri function, but I'll also type it out because there's a way to do that, which avoids the miscommunications with Siri sometimes. Same thing with email. I'll do that. When I was first losing my sight, that was harder because I hadn't quite accepted it and hadn't turned on all the accessibility functions. I feel like I can pretty much get around well with texting at least. Email, sometimes I'll still mess up in terms of replying to the wrong person or not being able to download an attachment. I still don't do Facebook yet online. Like I figured out how to like it, but not beyond that. I'm kind of okay with that. So I'm just kind of taking it slowly on some parts. You mentioned earlier about being interested in the dragon boating because being physically active can be challenging when you don't have your vision. I know that you also do other physical activities. What are some of the other physical activities that you do? I really like to do yoga, especially when you find a good instructor who does a good job using their words to describe what's going on. Um, I don't feel like I need vision at all. In fact, I feel like I almost have a one-up on everyone else because I'm more focused on me. I'm not focused on other people. I'll use the escalators in the, the metro as like a stairmaster. <laughs> you know, I try and walk up those every time because it's kind of a contained environment. We've done kickball. I went on my first tandem bike ride the other weekend, which was fantastic. I hadn't been on a bike in so long. And so you've got a captain you can see and on the back you're called the stoker. And you just kind of, they give commands to go with the pedals like three, two, one, go or three, two, one, stop. And... But as you go, you realize you just have to feel the pedals. Coming back to the Adosai Dragons, do you plan on being a member of the team next season? Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad we've got a few months off, kind of chill out, because it's a lot of work. I feel like I was sore most of the summer, but I'm looking forward to getting back into it and getting better. Back to how I handle my diabetes, this paddle boating is a great activity for that. Staying active as a diabetic is really crucial, and this is twice a week. You have an opportunity to get out and get on the water. Thanks so much for doing this, Dorlin. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.